everyone, welcome to Heart's Happiness Podcast. The place where I, Manpreet, share my journey of healing intergenerational family trauma to help you to understand your story. I share a bunch of tools and tips that will transform your mental health and allow you to find your own heart's happiness. So exciting, right? Each episode will cover one of three areas. One, raising awareness of what this trauma actually is and how it hides in our lives. Two, tools, tips, support, lots of different things that I've used to get better and heal from this trauma. And three, I'll be connecting you with so many specialists and therapists and coaches as guests on my show. So we are going to transform your mental health and empower you to take your healing by the hands and move forward. And welcome back for another episode of Heart's Happiness. We are officially in April and it's a very special month because this whole month on the podcast is dedicated to other people and their stories, whether it be about their own childhood trauma or how their trauma has been playing out. So if they've had particular addictions or relationship issues, etc. So we've got a very different story every week this week we've got omar coming on very soon to share his story story he's a listener and he explains how the podcast has been helping him and just a little bit about how he's been healing through his life experiences so i'm excited to have him on in a minute my first male guest and i'm so honored that he's sharing his story with me and with my audience so i'm very thankful for him and and before we crack on with the episode i have a very special announcement i'm launching a membership community called rewrite your story at the end of this month if you are interested there will be a link in the episode notes and there should be a link on my website as well and what this means is that for 9.99 a month or 90 pounds for the whole year you are part of the membership community and as part of this i will be helping people from feeling stuck to becoming their own hero so there will be monthly monster classes q a sessions monthly challenges monthly resources and emails and a private chat group where we'll all share our experiences not only with the work we're doing that month but with our healing journey as a whole because it can be quite lonely sometimes as we change our behaviors as we grow boundaries as we work on our inner child all these things can sometimes be quite difficult and quite lonely so I really wanted to create a community around this so if you find this podcast really resonates with you and it's been helping you then this is the next step up from that because you'll get a couple of like sessions with me on zoom and they'll be recorded if you can't watch the live one that's absolutely fine if you're interested sign up to the emails and getting onto the waiting list and then as soon as i have a payment page set up and the first date of the first class you'll be the first to know so definitely check that link out and I also have a free event in a couple of weeks on the 15th of April at 8pm. For all of those of you like me that are struggling with um, the pending changes, so the new normal, embracing it. So definitely it's free again and the link is in the episode notes. So that's all my announcements today. So let's crack on and speak to Omar. But oh, a quick thing, a little trigger warning. Um, Omar is going to be speaking about self-harm and suicide ideation because that was part of how his trauma has been playing out so please be cautious if this is a similar experience that you've had um there are resources on my website if you need help message me if you have any questions but i'm gonna hand over to omar now and he 
inspirational story. Hi, Omar. Would you be able to introduce yourself to everybody before I ask you your first question? Yeah. Hi, hi, Manpreet. Uh, my name's Omar Iqbal. Uh, I, I, I live in Aberdeen. I'm not a, a therapist or a counsellor or anything like that. Uh, but I, I would actually say I'm a, I'm a survivor, an ongoing sort of survivor of, of childhood trauma and uh, and childhood uh, ex- experiences that have I've had, which have had a negative impact on my life as an adult. Um, yeah. I was born in Bradford and uh, I'm four years old, but, you know, I've had uh, a lot of history there. Yes. Now, well, I love having people that are survivors because I think that that's such an inspirational story because um, which is why I wanted so much to have you on. And like this whole month, I'm dedicating to like other people's stories because I think they can help so many people. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I know it's scary and sometimes really difficult and people like us that have come from our backgrounds kind of hide it away like some big shame, but just like being open about it can really like help us and help other people. So when was the moment in your life that you realized that, oh my God, something's not right here? You probably didn't have the language that this is childhood trauma or that you're a survivor or anything like that. But what was the moment that you realized that something had to change? Because I think we all have that on our healing journey. That That's true. I mean, I know I bottled a lot of things up as a child and I never really understood it anyway. Um, but, you know, I do recall one of the memories I had uh, towards the back end of, of 2019 and uh, I was on, uh, I went to Belfast with my wife and my in-laws. Uh, my wife's actually white um, and I didn't really feel comfortable. And before I'd, I'd actually gone to, to Belfast, I'd taken a phone call from my mum at the airport and she was just cursing me and criticising me for either not coming home. Maybe I missed a phone call the day before or something. And, and why didn't I, uh, why didn't I um, phone her back straight away? And it was just considered the usual grief. You know, I just kind of uh, accepted it, acknowledged it and, and just thought, right, I'll get on with it fine. And also at the same time, uh, around that period, I was in a job that was really, really stressful. And I, I recognised that I was actually neglecting my relationship um, by distracting myself with work as well. Uh, and I now know um, that uh, my behaviour was geared towards uh, me being a fragile narcissistic uh, and, and having fragile narcissistic tendencies, um, which resulted in me kind of feeling unappreciated. Um, I was easily kind of crushed by sort of criticism because my parents were really crit- critical. Mm-hmm. Um, and even prior to you know that, that trip to Belfast, my wife in the previous month or two had been to Vienna and India and Dubai. We'd been doing a bit of travelling and you know, she wasn't really happy and I could tell, but I didn't really know how to process or, or uh, kind of move forward with it. Or so connect to her on that kind of level. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Again, you just kind of hold these things into yourself. You know, you don't open up, you don't, you feel afraid to open up with, mm. with people, with anyone. Um, yeah, uh, sure. You've been doing it your whole life. So yeah, is exactly. your partner any different, right? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and she did also, you know, try previous months, you know, bless her to, to, to get some help. You know, she, we spoke about couples counselling, um, but I was a bit sort of neglected towards that. I never really kind of opened up to her mm. um, to that. And and even prior to that, I, I have had a history of self-harm as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I I I used to 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 burn myself um, and my arms with a lighter. I've got self-inflicted stab wounds on both arms, um, and you've done that your whole I life. Also, I've not done it my whole life, so I I started sort of self-harming probably when I was in my teens. Yeah, uh, that's kind of common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Initially, it was kind of making myself sick, for example, because I was a bit overweight. I was a bit chubby as a as a teenager. My parents and my eldest sister would criticise me. And then uh, I lost a lot of weight and I was still criticised by that uh, to the point, you know, my dad said to me that I, I look like a vulture. Um, but there was no real support there or anything. And, um, and then when I was at university, I did stab myself in the arm. Um, and for a couple of years, even after university, I used to cut myself as well. Were you ever doing um, it? So, sorry, sorry to jump in. Like, were yeah. you doing it as a, do you think you were using it as a sense of relief or as a way of like a cry for help, almost like attention? Like if, if you're growing up with these really critical people, it's almost like if I do this, will you care and show me love? You know, I, I, I think I, I remember at one point ending up in hospital um because I'd hurt myself and I, at that time I tried to jump out the window as well in university halls and I actually didn't want the doctors to tell my dad what it, what it was what didn't what the what the issue was even though I knew and even though they knew and at the time I wasn't really able to kind of understand it um mm. and I was probably afraid and um, for me self-harming it was just a release my parents hate me so I hate myself mm. because that's just the way I am. And yeah, and, it's, and physically hurt. I mean, like so, so many of us, when we grow up with ch- as children of trauma, that will yeah. be really awful to ourselves in our heads. And then we might abuse our bodies, hurt our bodies through the work, drugs or alcohol or yeah. all these kind of things. But I mean, people get really w- scared of the word self-harm, but really it's just another way of you expressing that feelings of hate that you sort of feel for yourself because of, what you've been projected from your parents so um, yeah and it's very common and people don't talk about it because they're so ashamed of it yeah it is and 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 that's the thing and even for me so standing up to parents I wasn't able to do that um I I just couldn't I think it was a few years later after I'd sort of like the deep wound I got with a self-inflicted stab wound on my arm at that time I told him quite a few years later he never really kind of provided any support or empathy he probably just didn't really understand it Mm. And and that was it. And, and and lucky I was fortunate enough that um during the time at university and um, when I finished, I actually got a job uh, away from from uh from my parents. Well, I went to university in Manchester anyway, so I was away, but I, I moved I got a job in Lancaster. Uh and I was going through CBT therapy and uh, I also had issues with um body dysmorphophobia, so I was diagnosed. Well, I'm not surprised. Body small not surprised yeah. as your childhood. Uh, I can yeah. really relate to that because I was the same. And you know, um, as people that grow up with trauma, sometimes we put weight on because not only are we mm-hmm. using the food to comfort, but we're actually wanting to disappear. So it's like mm-hmm. we, our bodies get bigger because we want to disappear. And I was the same. And then I lost weight. And then people were like commenting on that. And when I gained weight, people were commenting on that. And it was, and then you just have this really weird relationship with yourself. So I'm pretty sure I've had body dysmorphia as well. I still yeah. struggle with it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so no, it was, you know, it was, it was those sort of experiences, which 
I still never really used to sort of be able to sort of shake off. And, and even after university, when I started working as well, uh, again, I was living away from home. Um, and uh, and there were times when I'd be out partying, celebrating or whatever with, with friends that I'd, I'd made there. And even then, I used to sort of say to them at times that, you know, I'd, I want to try and fake my own death. Or, I'll just or say, you know, I, talk I to hate parents myself, so don't talk to my parents. And, and I couldn't find it in me to block them out either. You know, they were mm. always there. They were always sort of there. Um, but I couldn't really relate to them. And I re- recognise sort of in the last sort of year and a half or so that the relationship with them was always toxic. You know, mm. even as an adult, they would always treat me as a child, mm. um, and they would become the, they would stay as the parent, but there was none of this adult to adult conversation with them. No, because they wounded always. themselves, right? So yeah, definitely, yeah. And and you were saying going back to the moment where you realised that something had to change. Was it to do with your relationship with your wife and just the way that was starting to affect her and all that kind of thing? Yeah, it it, it sort of led me to 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 actually kind of I think she kind of gave me a, a kick up the backside sort of thing with it and uh, what had actually happened towards the end of 2019 I, I actually uh, got offered a job in Italy and I didn't really discuss with her fully that you know I'm going to be going I just kind of accepted it and I thought right I'm, I'm going to get this job but then I said don't worry I'll go and see a therapist when I'm there it'll be okay it'll be fine um and I know that was a failure of my part. You know, I should have been a bit more open. I should have been a bit more sort of rational in my thinking, you know, to but, kind of uh, what, go down that Well, route. it sounds like you're still, like, running away. So you're still yeah. in part of that, weren't you? Like, Italy yeah, is such a beautiful exactly. place to run away to as well. <laughs> yeah, so. it, it is, yeah, you know, it, it is. And, and and it was, but, you know, I it was totally right, man. But, yes, it was a case of me trying to run away and hide my emotions and then just thinking don't worry I'll see a therapist that'll be a quick fix and it'll be yeah. okay um, um but before I left she said that she wanted to have a trial separation and mm. I was like okay yeah totally respect that you know I, d- I don't disagree with you um I'm happy to do that and um and I did start to see a a, a therapist um when I was in Italy um to work on sort of areas of social anxiety uh, my OCD because I developed a really bad OCD um, uh, pattern um, when it comes to like being tidy, cooking, cleaning, uh, having things a certain way organised and, and it was almost not really very good uh, for people who are around me to kind of see that behaviour. Um, that's how obsessive I get. Um, and I did, uh, and with the therapy as well that I, I did, that I went through in Italy, it was focusing more on the softer things what I call now the softer things rather than this deeper inner child work trauma. yeah and the trauma um and I wasn't able to even open up to the therapy uh, therapist about that because at the time I didn't really think it was relevant I didn't really mm. think it's something that needed to be explored and yeah, it's and- like being the present and CBT is about being in the present um which is what it was essentially. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really anything to do about, you know, the past, the deeper wounds. Yeah, sure. And why they were manifesting um, the yeah. way that they were. So, um, and then what happened after that? Because I know that you've been on this big journey of healing. Um, 
well since we've been speaking anyway yeah so, yeah I know we've, we've had a few discussions it's been a little while now so um do you, so so it sounds like what happened with your wife and her um separating with you from you is what started to give you that kick up the ass as you said <laughs> and um and then like I guess you realized that CBT didn't work for you and then what what did you do next so um uh, unfortunately well when I was in Italy I, I was also I also saw a uh, psychiatrist prescribed medication um but unfortunately my job in Italy came to an end because of of a pandemic um and I returned back to the UK I think it was August last year uh, back end of August last year and I knew I still wasn't right um and and coming back to the UK triggered me even more because it's like the circumstances have changed you know uh, I'm now sort of legally separated so to speak Mm. I'm not in the same position as where I was but I'm really close to my in-laws and they're really supportive um you know it was still kind of quite hard to come back to um so I I struggled with with just kind of adjusting to life back here I couldn't sleep I had really bad headaches we still chatting to your parents as well uh, I actually cut my parents off um probably about a year ago today actually from where we are so yeah so sort of sort of um yeah April May time last year um, yeah. I often say to people, you know, when their healing really starts is when they start to bring themselves into a safe place. So the day mm-hmm. that you stop talking to them and not getting that repeated abuse coming back at you is probably when you started to really go on that journey of um, healing. Cause I know that's what happened with me. Like and my dad died and he was a big source of a lot of my trauma. And then mm-hmm. when I moved to a house um, and I thought I was going to be better because I was away from him and I wasn't talking to him anymore, obviously. But actually, it got a lot worse before it got better because having the space yeah. is when the hit, the wounds start to heal, and that's the painful process. So I don't know if you've noticed that since you've stopped talking to them, almost. Yeah, I mean, I I, I did start to notice that when I was away that I did cut them off, and 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 I was I was happy to have done that. But equally, it wasn't until I came back that I really started to kind of go deeper and. I went to go and see my GP. Um, they'd seen uh, they'd seen my red medical records from when I was at university. Obviously, had that that information uh, there to hand, and what happened at university and um, the issues I'd had. Uh, and then the GP referred me to a psychiatrist um, who um, um, got on board. He prescribed me more medication to take. And he also got in touch with a um, with a therapist that he recommended, um, and I started to kind of go a bit deeper into exploring that therapy, um, uh, which was a combination of CBT uh, and then uh, moving on to schema therapy as well, uh, mm-hmm. which I've been undergoing. Um, so yeah, it, you know, it, but unfortunately. You know, in going through some of that processes, you know, going through that process, I started self-harming again. So I started to cut my arms uh, again. Mm. Um, we have relapses as part of so. you got to remember you're in a recovery of trauma process. So occasionally yeah. you're going to like take a little step back and do go to the thing that you went to for release and to numb or whatever it is, whatever it gives you. 
but then you learn from that and then you get back on it again you know that's what it's not like we're perfect like I don't think healing is like some perfect journey no. um and I've I've certainly taken a lot of step backs <laughs> like yeah. and I always still do and I'm like oh I yeah. thought I saw this out oh forget I haven't yeah. it's still here no no <laughs> No, that's it. And, and I actually call them wobbles. So I just kind of say, oh, I've had a wobble, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually um, last self-harmed only about a week ago, the 23rd of April. Um, um, some of the uh, schema therapy uh, work that I was doing with my therapist identified um, defectiveness and failures as, as some of the underlying issues. I, continue, I, I feel I like carried. that's a really so scary word. I just don't. I think that if someone had given me that when I've been criticised as much as I have in my life, that would really trigger me. Like those those two words are really heavy and almost like a label. You know. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, and and the the case studies are quite in in depth, um, and you know, it did sort of um, cover sort of real life. Uh, stories of people who are going through therapy um, and have their struggles but also labeling them that this is the reason why you know it's because the parents were like this it's because of their uh, of, of certain uh, patterns of behavior that they were exposed to you know by by uh, people around them as as, 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 as children and siblings uh, and that really sort of resonated with me so unfortunately it did sort of let me on a bit of a down, down spiral um mm. and and that's what kind of led me to to, yeah. to end up in hospital again last week Bless um, you. but I don't you know I, I again at the time I felt a bit bad for a couple of days and I thought okay yeah this is this has happened but the the key takeaway I kind of get from it is that I know it's not me yes I know exactly. whatever happened it's not because of me at all and mm. and when you start to look at it like that it's like okay yes I understand that okay this is what happened to me but also I'm in control of this now you know Mm -hmm. I've created my boundaries as hard as it has been I've been able to kind of sort of try to move forward yeah yeah sure and you've got to remember as well as um I think those labels I I, I don't love a label but it's like that's not who you are like you came to the planet as this the purest version of yourself which is what I talk about when I talk about people's inner child yeah. that's who you really are but then what's happened is you've been around a, a lot of family members that have had a lot of trauma and that's you've absorbed that and then you've created these coping mechanisms to deal with that like self-harming like avoiding avoidance in relationships like overworking the OCD all these things we start to do to try to cope with the pain from the trauma and then we think it's who we are but it's actually not who we are. It's just the behaviors that we've been doing to be able to cope with our feelings of not feeling good enough, of not feeling worthy, of feeling like afraid that we're going to be attacked all of the time. And, you know, we come up, we've come with all these walls and these defenses. And then we grow up at 40, I'm going to be 40 soon, um, thinking that's that's who I am. But it's actually just such a load of bullets. It's not who you are. It's just a load of behavior that you do. And when you realize and you connect, and I know you're working on this, to the true guy that you actually are and some of these things will start to fall away like I've had some addictions and compulsions and things that I've done because of the pain but then when I when I sat with the pain connected to my inner child and the feelings that she felt I realized that 
I was trying to avoid this feeling that comes from when I'm like six or seven or 10 or 11. And that's not the case anymore because we're safe now, aren't we? Like I always tell myself, I put my hand on my heart, I breathe and just go, I'm safe now. You know, that this isn't my life anymore. And I think that's like so powerful to just try for yourself as well, that you are not in that place anymore, but your brain is still so wired for safety for like the perceived threat. And that's why these things happen. So I'm sure when your therapist gave you that information, it just triggered a load of emotion and you just didn't know. It's like your body was like, oh my God, we're in serious danger now. You got to try and do everything you can to, to sort of calm this down because we are in danger. But, <laughs> yeah. But really all you all we need to do is um, go back to ourselves, find out what we feel what we need and you know like coming up with your what I've been really working on is like coming up with all my different self-care practices that I can go to in that moment Um, and some of them you know don't work and I go back and I have a little relapse but you know a lot of them that that can do like talking to I don't know I have got some self-help videos that I just listen to on repeat sometimes when I need like an injection of I can do this or, you know, or something that calms me down or something that re-energizes me. But like, this is the thing, you're like a puzzle and you're just trying to work yourself out. There's nothing wrong with you. Like you're worthy. And most importantly, for somebody like yourself and for me, we have to remind ourselves on a constant basis that we are actually now safe. Um, And that's the really hard thing to feel safe in our bodies. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely it is. And, and, you know, although I had what I call wobbles and I've had wobbles recently as well, um, uh, not just last week, but I I am understanding that every time I do have it, it makes me actually a little bit stronger because it's like, okay, yes, I'm, I'm now addressing it. Whereas even 15, 20 years ago when I was self-harming, I just did it and I, and I couldn't process it. And even after university, a little bit, I was a self-harming. I couldn't really kind of uh, understand why I was just suppressing my emotions and feelings. And now I'm kind of looking at it from a point of view. Yes, I was down for a couple of days afterwards. I did it um, uh, recently. But, you know, I, I, I tell myself now in the morning that I love myself. I look in the mirror and I love myself. Yeah. I say that. I also speak to friends um, and when I even I speak to them, you know, male and female even, I'll say to them, oh, by the way, I love you. You know, it's, 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 it's just good to do that, you know, and, and you get that back, you know, so and uh, so it's not necessarily all sort of doom and gloom. It sounds, it sounds like as well. You've like become, I am, but, it sounds like yeah. you've become through this process, like more vulnerable rather and more open. So where you were maybe yeah. holding yourself back from your wife, all those years now you're learning as you connect to yourself how to be how to connect to others as well and that's the thing when we when we've grown up with trauma we've grown up with we've created walls that separate us Mm -hmm. from people and that's something that I've struggled with is being able to be like have true intimacy with someone and that's why you can be in a relationship but it could still be really lonely because you you don't know how to show them your the real you because you're you've been told that the real you is so awful that you know you wouldn't want to show it so I think you know even though it's I know it's such a hard process isn't it and you know like Mm. you feel like sometimes you're going around in in a bit of a circle but you're actually are like 
I've known you for a few months and to see, you know, you're clearly making such great progress Mm -hmm. and really understanding your inner workings. Sounds like you're forgiving yourself as well for your mistakes. And, um, and you, you put all the right things in place, like, um, putting your parents out of your life because they weren't good for you. And and that was the right thing for you to do. Mm -hmm. And that's a really hard thing. Like there's a lot of people that you lose along the way because they're not going to change some people will change some people won't it's just part of the process um but I'm guessing were you someone that like if you self-harmed or the way that you felt mentally would you hide that from your friends as well as your partner or uh I have done um yeah I have done a little bit I did I did it quite a bit in the past um for example I would hide it and um when I did start self-harming again recently, I wouldn't really tell friends straight away. It might be like a couple of days later or a week later because so I just still that's to hold pro- it in. That's still progress though, isn't it? It, it is, yeah. And, and and then, you know, now it's a case of if I don't feel great, I would speak to them, you know. Mm. I, I would, you know, that is it. Uh, and one of the things uh, my nurse practitioner, um, um, we pulled together was a safety plan uh, and that sort of, helps something to relate to something that's written down in front of you you know what to do if you get certain thoughts feelings anxieties uh issues to keep yourself sort of distracted uh and 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 use that as as much Mm. as possible to kind of sort of say right yes i've actually made a list of people i know that i could speak to and they're on Mm. this paper uh and and i do do that you know because i'm not afraid of doing that anymore and i think you know asking for help isn't isn't exactly a, a sign of weakness I think it's, no, no. it's actually a sign of strength you know and so many more men need to do that as well like De- def- definitely and, and even and even as a, as a as a bloke you know I'll open up and I'll say yeah I still cry <laughs> it still, yeah, it, it still cry happens you still <laughs> you still get these sort of emotional kind of feelings but for years I never did you know mm. I just didn't I just suppressed it or I'd be anxious maybe when I was a bit merry or something, but I wouldn't then face up to it on the following day, just be right, I'm okay, you know, back to normal again. Mm. It's fine. And with them, like, obviously now you're starting to work out and and it's becoming very clear that the stuff that you've been struggling with is so much about your childhood. And um, can you, I mean, if it's not too difficult for you to go back there, just even a sentence just about what you've discovered, that because I think, you know, when you're an adult and you realise that these things were just your life and these things were normal, um, but then when you are on a journey like we are, then you're like, God, that's not actually normal. <laughs> or you start to so what was what's been the big realizations for you when it comes to your family? Uh, I think the biggest thing is there probably wasn't that level of love or empathy there, you know, from them uh, mm. in a way. Um, a lot of emotional uh, blackmail. Um, mm. I know you suffered yourself from silent treatment. <laughs> That's ticking well, the box there. Animo- animo- animational blackmail. I've had that. As and well. yeah, and, and that as well. And um, and criticism. A lot of criticism. You know, mm. um, being being made to feel useless, worthwhile. Um, being being made to feel like you're stupid as well. I remember mm-hmm. actually just last week I was speaking to one of my uncles and I'm I'm quite close to him now because of this work I'm doing on myself um, to one of my uncles. And, and he said to me before I went to university, we had this conversation where he, he asked me, you know, your parents treat you like you're stupid. You know, why, why do you 
why why do you why don't you do anything? I said, well, they'll treat you like I'm stupid. I'll just be, be stupid around them. And you almost fall into that little trap a little bit. Yeah. And then you just carry that on because it affects all your relationships. Mm. And I never even understood it. I never even remembered it. But I, mm. now that I mentioned it, I recall him saying that to me, you know. Yeah. And it's those kind of things you then carry on with you. But, you know, it's it, creating boundaries is, is one of the ways to break that cycle. And then learning to really understand yourself is, mm. is important. You know, yeah. really and to kind of find out it. who you are, not who they told you you were. That's the big, the big one, isn't it? And like all the things <laughs> yeah. you said about your childhood, I could have like high fived you with everything. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I mean, something as well that I find interesting um, is also our cultural perspectives. So I've, I come from a Punjabi background, and and I, I'm speaking to a few, few more people that are from a Muslim background, and how you know we have similar traumas, but there's different ways that they play out with our culture and our religion and all of these things and that that gets seeped into your parents trauma as well and then they pass it along you know that fear around religion or you know what people think and all that sort of stuff so I'm guessing you had that in a in a slightly different way to me but yeah no no very much so you know there was obviously a case of um um, you know, don't hang out with white people. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, remember, I remember getting a job uh, after university and my mum said, oh, so how many Asian people work at the company? And I said, well, there isn't any. <laughs> like, <laughs> why? You know, uh, and it was just, you just got to move with the times, you know, it's not like that. There's, And to be honest with you, I, I know we speak about sort of our culture and that's where it is, but I think a lot of these um issues with a friends I've actually created in the journey I've been on today it happens to people from all different backgrounds oh, yeah, you know, yeah, they definitely. don't have to be Asian they don't no. have to be just female um and they, they can be from it from other countries you know not just yeah, the UK that's America, exactly wherever, true and we all know. have our different like nuances and that's like when you understand your own story and your own background maybe even where your parents came from like the traumas they experienced you start to piece it's almost like you can you start to see the trickle of trauma you can actually see it from like if you read about the country they're from about the religion about the trauma in their religion all these things you'll start to see and it is literally I truly believe that every single person on the planet is impacted by intergenerational Mm -hmm. trauma yeah. in some way and you know some some people like us have got like a, a story that's um you know um, a heavier one but I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of people there that have experienced trauma but they don't even realize that it is so it's because like, it's so covert and so um subtle so mm-hmm. but, that, but you grow up thinking you're not good enough or you think this or you think that and it comes from somewhere and just like what you've been doing is just learning about yourself and mm-hmm. um, is so incredibly powerful so well done you're doing so amazing I'm so impressed and for people that um, are listening and I do have some male listeners and I'm still trying to get more um <laughs> like what would you say are your tips in terms of like resources and tools that have really helped um you move forward I think um one of the things I've been doing over the last couple of months is is, is meditation and, and also breath work as well added to that. So um, that's been really, really kind of helpful for me. It's it's helped me to focus on the present, um, where I am now. Try not to dwell on the past. If your mind wanders, just acknowledge it, but let it go, you know, mm. and, and be grateful for where you actually have, uh, where you actually are and, and where what you've actually got around you. 
and what you have. Um, and the other thing is is journaling as well. I, I keep a, 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 a little, little book called The Six Minute Diary. Which, oh, I think I've got one of those. Yeah, a friend actually bought me for Christmas, and uh, and uh, it's just just been amazing. You know, you just kind of write things you're grateful for every day, uh, a positive affirmation, and then you know what you've done. Um, that has been great things you've experienced each day. Uh, reading as well. Um, I've read a lot of obviously self help books, but just novels. Um, just to broaden the mind as well a little bit and also kind of like speaking to friends as well I've, I've created friends that I know I can easily just be open with you know cry in mm. front of if I want to cry in front of pick up the phone know that the answer if I don't answer they'll call me back um and also opening up to some of the family members as well mm. yes I've created boundary with my parents um and and some of my immediate immediate family um but I've recognized by opening up to some of my other family members you know they get it they understand it and I wish I did that before as well um and I think the other thing as well is to um I'd say listen to your listen to your podcast you know (laughs) because that's been really really good for me as well I know as soon as I discovered it I've just it's made me feel less alone in terms of where I am I always knew I wasn't but sometimes you do and then I kind of think you know listening to your podcast reading and hearing about your story has has really sort of resonated with me you know and it mm. shows that we're not on our own there's other people in the same situation yeah uh, and also by me opening up I've created you know new friends as well mm. um, who have been supportive and and, and really really because I know you're part I mean we met through me doing a presentation at internations which is like a community yeah. you're part of so it sounds like as well you so- you sought out new people into your life as well like um new friendships and new support circles and that's a really big part I think of healing as well of um finding like if you're not, if you don't have the people in your family or in your friendship circles you could go find them because they're everywhere you know there's a lot of us going on this journey together um which yeah. I think it's great because it sounds like you've you've been doing all the right things, getting help, mm-hmm. um, investing in your self-love. I know you've taken some time out of working as well, just to focus on mm-hmm. all of this. Um, like you're, you know, obviously getting your professional help. You are connecting with other people. Mm-hmm. You're being more open with others. You're on here sharing your information. You're all like, every, whenever you recommend a book, I'm like, yeah, that's a great one. That, yeah. you know, like you're reading all the books and um listening to podcasts all that kind of stuff is a way you're just absorbing all of it right now so I just think that you have done so so amazingly you should be so proud of yourself like to overcome the things that you've experienced in your life and I know you're still on that journey so we'll have to have yeah. you back again like and you can tell us what happened next <laughs> you know but <laughs> yeah um, no definitely definitely it would be good to do that as well for sure yeah and and for like um, you know like there's a real thing about like men like I really want to do a male group coaching course by the way mm. um, I have got one male client and I love him he's been great he's done so well <laughs> um, but like men are very they're afraid of these things so what would you say to a men listening or to somebody's partner listening actually as well like if she's worried about her partner because um, I don't think you can force people to change or do this work it has to be when they're ready but anything that you'd want to say to them yeah, I, I think the first thing to do is just sort of accept that there is a problem, you know, and that that can be the one of the hardest things to do because we and I'm and I'm victim to that. Um, 
I don't really want to say I'm a victim to that. I think it's more <laughs> a case of I know that's how I was. You know, I, I did hold and suppress my feelings and my emotions. Um, but, you know, once you build up the courage to actually recognise that there is a problem, then, you know, change can actually start to happen. You know, mm. it, it really, really can. I think it's also important to listen to others as well, you know, if they recognise that there's an issue. I know a couple of close friends, for example, before I went to Italy, were kind of saying, are you sure you should be doing that? I don't think it's really good. And I said, don't worry, it'll be fine. I'll go and see a therapist and everything will be okay. Um, but it really needed to go deeper than that. Um, mm. And I probably should have stayed in the UK. Um, and also as well, you know, it, when you do reach out to professionals, uh, always be open and honest. Um, I think some of the things I did, although I did get, you know, some good therapy uh, when I was when I was abroad, um, I, I didn't really open up fully about some of my childhood traumas because at the time I didn't think it was relevant. And, mm. you know, I recognise that if that's what it is, you need to be as open as you can. And I just accept as well that, you know, change doesn't happen overnight and you are going to be triggered. You know, I was triggered last week. It happens it's part, it's part of the as a wobble. It yeah. is, yeah, totally, totally. And it doesn't mm. make you weak at all. You mm. know, you might feel a bit sad, you might be a bit disappointed, but you, you just got to get back on the horse. You yeah, really, yeah. Really do. Take and, the next day, but, just next day, it's a new day. Try again. <laughs> yeah. And I think the last thing is, oh, it's also important to create boundaries. And boundaries as well can be hard, especially if it's your immediate family or people you perhaps felt, you know, close to or need to be close to. But um, yeah, I only cut my parents off last year. And I'll be honest, I wish I did it years before. Um, mm. But everyone's got their own, everyone's on their own journey, you know. And, yeah. and, and if you need to do that, you need to protect yourself. And that's Yeah, I think you have to be really thing. honest about like, um, you know, if you need to do that, because having boundaries is really important so you might start to create mm -hmm. a distance but there are some people as you know that don't take no for an answer or will not yeah. respect any kind of boundary so then it comes to the hard ass one which is like okay I'm gonna have to remove you from my life if you're not yeah. respecting them and that's a real hard decision especially when it comes down to your parents but if it's down to your like mental health and yourself you know, the way you feel about yourself, even if you just stop talking to them for a while, while you get better, that's even a good thing. Like um, up with my mum, she's, you know, not like, an, she's like, but I don't know how to put this the easier of my parents, but I still took a step back from my relationship with her mm -hmm. because I had to deal with and understand the trauma I received from that relationship too. So it's really hard when you're like, doing your inner work and figuring all this stuff out because it really makes you angry so you're just not very nice yeah. to them anyway so you know having that bit of space is actually quite good um but like and and for me and I know that you're still like working with this but another thing I would say is over time um something that's helped me personally is the forgiveness element of it which mm -hmm. you know takes time and we're all on a journey of grief with this because you grieve what you realize you didn't receive as a child and then there's a lot of anger that you feel for your families when you realize that but for me personally like not being able to forgive my dad was affecting me to have relationships with men so I had to kind of come to an understanding with him and it's a bit like rewriting the story I was telling in my head about him and now I just see him as a man who was a child of trauma himself and that's why he hurt me rather than he's just this evil person that um 
decided I wasn't good enough. Like when I was telling myself that story, I felt like such a victim. But then when I started to tell myself the story that my dad was once a small child who got abused and traumatized too. And that's how he reflected his love back onto me because that's what he believed love was. And for us, people like me and you, we're like unlearning all that we were taught. So hopefully one day mm-hmm. we'll be healthier parents and partners and stuff like that. We don't repeat the cycle, um, which is really brave and it's not a victim. Yeah. And that's why I think survivors are amazing because mm-hmm. like we have such a different viewpoint about these things and like just hopefully, well, I know lots of people that listen to your story and maybe have experienced self-harm, but are so ashamed to ever say it and thank you so much for being so honest about it we'll hear your story and realize that first of all it's very common (laughs) lots of people do it it's a reaction to trauma if you start doing all the work on yourself you can come through the other side I know it's not your work in progress your nobody's perfect it will flare up from time to time but it's better than you know it was and that's what um I love about the fact that you've come on and you've shared that with everybody um, and just how amazing your journey is like I hope that you're proud of yourself no I I, I am and and I think um certainly since I've, I've met yourself um man pretty it really has opened me up even more um uh, especially from from a cultural point of view as well and and understanding um, the real sort of inner workings of of intergenerational trauma because I think before I met you I didn't even know that was a thing <laughs> to be yeah. honest with you and yeah. I'm just like all oh, right yeah this this actually ticks a lot of boxes I, I can actually understand you know I can I can relate you know and I've shared it with my friends and I've shared it with uh, therapists and psychiatrists that I've seen and uh, and, and other family members and they can say yes it is you know that that is that is right that does actually kind of uh, really put things in perspective and I want to reach out to as many people as I can as well you know through this um, and don't you know you shouldn't you shouldn't really suffer on your own as well you no know, it's not worth it so well, I think if we look at the planet I think pretty much everybody suffers but the thing is that we suffer alone because we think we're the only one that feels these things yeah. so we keep them to ourselves but actually um we're all it's part of our human experience these things Mm -hmm. that we're feeling trauma is part of our human experience and I don't know how like spiritual you are but like uh, some spiritual people believe that first of all that we picked our parents before we arrived on this planet did for like our soul development and so trauma is about like your uh, evolution so who knows through this experience that you're going through right now and what you're learning maybe you will um you know, have your own podcast one day where you talk about, you know, male mental health, say, or you mm-hmm. might go and help people or I don't know where it could take you because that's the yeah. thing about healing trauma is it takes you to a whole new place where you want to help others that suffer in the same way. I think that's part of it as well. So it's, um, and then that makes it feel better as well. Like it wasn't all for nothing, you know, that when no. you can create something positive out of it, which is what you're doing right now on the podcast yeah. by sharing your story as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and and I think every day it, it does kind of make me realise that yeah, I'm, I am in control of this. You know, okay, I might not have control sometimes, and I and I hurt myself, but equally, um, I am moving forward. Uh, I wouldn't probably be speaking on a podcast podcast like this a year ago put it that way 
Um, mm. And I wouldn't be uh, having the open relationships with people I have around me and 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 give them sort of love and and, and show empathy towards them if, mm. if it wasn't for the work that I'm doing on myself and you know I'm, I'm grateful that I am moving forward and, and I really am and I'm doing a lot of things um to better myself all the time yeah you are yeah. amazing thank you so much for coming thank on you. and sharing your story and you'll have to come back again like in a year and tell us where you are then <laughs> Yeah, definitely. No, no, it'd be good to do that again for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we'll keep in touch. Yes, um, of course. And, I, and you're such an inspiration. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Thank you. And there we have it, guys. An episode completed. I hope you enjoyed it and it raised a load of awareness in your mind. There was alarm bells going. You were all like, ding, that's totally me. Because that's what I was like when I started this journey. And that is the start of the process, finding out this information and realizing it has happened in your own life. So I really hope it was helpful. And before the next episode coming out next Wednesday, be sure to check us out on Instagram. So it's hearts underscore underscore happiness. Also, we have a YouTube channel where I share the videos I create for Instagram on. So you can check that out. They come on about once a week. And then we also have a Facebook group if you want to join to carry on the conversation. I want to create a community where we're all talking about our very real experiences and traumas. And then there is also my website called heartshappiness.co.uk, which you can check out to join our mailing list so that as I create new services and support tools for you all, you're the first to find out. And I have a freebie on there, so definitely check that out. It's five books that transformed my healing. So if you really want to kickstart and you know you're liking the content in here, these books are like the basis of so much of my knowledge. So definitely check that out. And I will speak to you next week. I'm so excited to continue this journey with you to help you to find your own heart's happiness. Take care.